Hey everybody, welcome back to Keeping It RE. Today we have a special guest, Chad Big Timed Us. So we have <laughs> yeah. Natasha, you're welcome. <laughs> and Natasha is gonna talk to us about a handful of things, including project management, uh, budgets, timeline, when you're running a real estate project. So we're really excited to have her here. And uh, Paige, let's kick things off. So Natasha, how are you doing, by the way? I'm good. Things busy so far this year? Is this like your busy time of year? Um, I think January through December is my, my busy time Oh, okay. Time that's, of year. that's pretty much what we figured. <laughs> is that um, all the months? That's all, all 12? Yeah. yeah. That's all yeah. 12. Okay, I got, I got you. <laughs> nice. All right, so we're just going to kick it off with our first question and ask you about what the realistic timeline to doing a transaction and moving into space is like for from a PM standpoint. Okay, well, um, there are a lot of things that happen when it comes to the project management side of things. So at the very, very beginning of the process, when a client is looking at space, that's very much where, where you know, Paul and Chad come into the, into the process and they kind of run that charge. I'm on the back end kind of whispering in the ear uh, with regards to giving them information um, about pricing, timelines, logistics, just kind of some good to knows about the space. Um, and its potential for for a client, and so when it comes to that, I think that is is part of what I'll help them with on the front end of things in order for them to get the correct lease language and um, cover all the aspects for their clients so that there aren't any surprises down the road. But um, my portion of thing really kind of kicks into gear um, either once the lease has been signed or um, and or once we're very very close. And so from that standpoint, I would say. A comfortable timeline because you know everyone has a job to do all of our clients they're, they're also trying to run businesses would be a, a six month to like a nine month time frame depending on the size and the need of, of, of the client and then from there we can you know adjust it either pull it pull a rabbit out of a hat if, I, if mm -hmm. you would say to, to condense that or expand that depending on what their actual need is so brokers myself included at times, are notorious <laughs> for maybe unintentionally providing uh, unrealistic expectations on certain things. What? Is, that, is this the first time you're hearing this? No. And that's where you come into play, to really set the expectation properly for the client, because a lot of the times these lease terms are matched up to actual government contracts where they need to be up and running in a space at a specific time. So understanding that realistic timeline, not right. the, the classic, oh yeah, we, we can do September it. September 1st, we can make that happen. You need to be in two weeks? Yeah, we, we got, got you. That. We, have, we can have someone do yeah. it for you. Yeah, call Natasha. You're like, oh, She'll make it happen. Babe Jesus. Yeah. You, uh, <laughs> you, you, you pick up the pieces for, for a lot of us all the time, which we appreciate. Um, so setting the realistic expectations for these clients is so important at the beginning of the process because if they know that it's going to take six months but they need to be up and running in space in four months, well, touring a, an office space that's in shell condition is not going to work for the timeline. Whether it works for the budget or not, the timeline's blown. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how do you make it work? You have to target other properties that might not need a, a full yeah. rebuild. So I, I think, to, to answer your question, a lot of times it becomes the comfort level, quite honestly, of, of, of the, the, the broker and that relationship that he's built with that client. And uh, like I said, at the, the beginning of the process, I'm usually kind of in your ear, behind the scenes, and it becomes, you know, unfortunately, they, they label me sometimes as a, a wet blanket, you know, per se, say, hey guys, you know, it's a, 
it's a union building, so just so you're aware, these are some things you need to be aware of because it's going to ex expedite that time, or actually, it's going to increase that time because of, of things that are going to, you know, with union, there's a lot more restrictions and whatnot. Um, on the other hand, there, there's just a lot of different components, and I, I usually like to have that conversation with the broker ahead of time, and then from there gauge what their comfort level is with communicating that to, to the client. And so I think just being open and transparent about that upfront really kind of helps helps you all um, gauge that conversation and when your comfort level is to kind of bring me into that that um, that group that group talk. Did I answer your question there? Yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> now, to, to take it one step further, five years ago, we used to quote, perhaps uh, incorrectly, but I feel like this was an achievable number okay. five years ago. Okay. We used to quote that once a lease is signed, you could be up and running in that space, if all things progress properly, mm -hmm. in four months, 120 days. Now it's more 150 days, 100 and, you know, it's, it's like you said, six months plus. What's been the difference? What's the driver? What's what's changed in the last five years that ex has expanded that timeline? Honestly, one of the biggest things that has I've I've seen um, expand a lot of that is technology. Okay. So we want everything to be really really easily accessible at our fingertips because there's such a plethora out of op options out there that a lot of times that that means that it's going to take a little bit longer for people to make the decisions and drive those co those conversations up the chain and then you know the easier a system is for you to use the more expensive it is and so then it's, it becomes a cost conversation and it becomes a dominoed um, a, a dominoed conversation it's like okay well we can get this to be more efficient but then it costs more money but then people have to know how to use it and and so i think the technology that you put into your space becomes part of the program and conversation up front in order to determine what the solution is because you know so many people are going to um, you know wireless based systems and then they want to integrate it into things into their furniture into their into their lights into, I mean I'm, I'm getting a little outrageous but right. I think technology is a big surprising factor um, there are a lot of things that have come down in cost and then there's also um, there's also a lot of things that have gone up in cost. I think another another thing is is lead times in depending on the market that you're in. And um, and five years ago, what was that? Where were we? Not 2019. 2014. 2014. <laughs> Good math, Paige. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, <laughs> so I, I think it's also you know there's USC. Been, <laughs> it's now um, it's a it's a contractor's market. And so um, they're they're able to charge a little bit more because they have so much work. They have so much work, and because the it's it's all a domino effect. And so because there's a lot a lot of more individuals looking for space, and then there's more there's more that contractors have to build. There's more that designers have to design. And so it's just a, a breadth of I mean, you know, look at your schedules. How many times are you working more than eight hours? So it's just a matter of time to get the deliverables to the people for their review and I think that's a big piece of it I think technology you don't realize how many options there are there I think accessories and furniture um, it takes time to make things and everything now the nowadays is customizable um, I think and everything nowadays it's like at everyone's fingertips and so in in previous years part of that part of you know my 
my process and other project managers out there was okay well these are this is what you can can afford this is what you can't afford and it was kind of a little bit easier because you know to stream to streamline the process um, now clients know so much more about what what is out there that they want to do that due diligence they want to do a little bit more research they want to make sure that that they've they've looked up everything and researched everything and so you know sometimes we have to give a little bit more grace period to, to do all that diligence on their end and then damn Amazon every every client I have this conversation at least once it says well on Amazon I found and I'm just like oh my goodness okay yes well on Amazon they do offer this but it's not a commercial grade product and so I think there's a lot there, there's a lot of a lot of different reasons why things can go a little bit longer um, and I think the main thing now currently is just is this time people just are so busy in every single industry that it just takes more time to get things done well I think that's a really good answer and it's really interesting because I thought for sure the first thing that you would have touched on is the permit process which can be crazy in different jurisdictions depending on where you're looking to open your space so I'm actually pleasantly surprised by your answer because I think that provides a lot more information than the obvious. Well, the permit process in Fairfax County is just crazy. So that's what delays them, which obviously is a part of it as well. Right. But you know, the amount of technology and what people are looking for within their space now compared to five plus years ago, you're right, it's totally different. It, I, I think at least, you know, as of recently, I would say in the, even in the last two years, that's something that I've seen, which is surprising because things like you know the audiovisual that goes into a space was usually the you know the poo poo piece that kind of gets thought of towards the end, and now that's starting to become one of the front runners that becomes. Or, or after you move in, hey, you know what? Maybe we need a TV here. Let's just order one. And you know, like yeah. a lot of times that would happen after you moved into the space to understand how you're utilizing that space. But now you're right; it's a conversation that's happening way prior to that because you don't want to six months later throw up a TV you want to plan for where these right. LED screens need to be and I, time. and I think you know part of that conversation is now companies like Staples and Office Depot and uh, Best Buy they're starting to have a lot more business sides and, and commercially available products that now instead of you know it was it was we used to bring a vendor to the table they, they, they let you know what it is that you can you can pick from then they take care of it they install it you know they're good to go, but products are becoming a little bit more more expensive. That now clients want to take it upon themselves and say, "Well, you know what? I I can go to Staples or I can go to Office Depot." And so it becomes a little bit more of a coordination process because they want to take that on, but at sometimes, you know, they're not in the ins and outs of it. So it's like, okay, well, you want to take that on, fine, completely completely valid. But we need to have this pocket of information by this timeline. And like I said, everyone's really busy. So it's just one extra piece that has to be poured in because of, of prices of things and, and they want to take that off of the vendor and do it themselves. Um, I think, um, you know, what we were potentially gonna talk about this a little bit later, but this is a great segue. Uh, there are a couple things, you know, there's always gonna be lead times. I think lead times when it comes to timeline is always a big component, but there are some things that people don't take into consideration when it comes to ways to uh, either uh, mitigate entirely or kind of get in front of some of those surprises that could, ex uh, not, I keep saying expedite, but that's not right, but to, to extend a schedule longer than you necessarily want to. I think one of, one of the two things, there's two particular items that I always share with brokers um, 
when they're touring buildings, and it's two things. It's the first thing is, is it a union building? And you know, with union with union building, they have so many great positives. But something to keep in mind is, what in the world of, of construction, there are going to be times where you're going to have to get something done a little bit faster, a little bit earlier, a little bit later, over a weekend, over an evening. You're going to have to be able to be a little bit more flexible. And when something is a union building, their they're, they're, unions are great. They have so many positives. But you have to allow a little bit more time in order to accommodate a lot of the restrictions that come with unions and a little bit more money because of, of the, the requirements for union labor. And so I think that's one thing that, that becomes a surprise for a client that is good to just kind of put it out there and just say, FYI, you know, the building over there is not a union this one is these are some of the things if you really love this space that you're gonna have to be willing to look past I think that's one thing I think the other thing is is also figuring out what jurisdiction in terms of like what county what city of what um, uh, what town the building you're looking at is going to be in because like you said a little earlier in the conversation permit times that for for as long as we can remember that has been always the largest variable. And, and how, can, how, how much do they differ? How do they range? They can range. Luckily, um, recently Fairfax County, for example, has, has increased the minimum for, for a what's considered a walk-through process. So it's a fast-tracking process. Is that like the permit expediter? Is that Right. Is it's, it's basically when it's a fast-track versus a regular of anything. It basically means that you meet whatever the minimum requirements are in order to hire somebody to walk into the permit office, have a conversation with whoever they need to have a conversation with, and if it's not that same day, it's within that same week that you walk out of that office with with a permit. And so that, at a minimum, is about a two to, to three week time frame. So I'd okay. say that would be the minimums. Okay. Um, depending on, like I said, what jurisdiction. And, well, that can and, condense and the, the timeline pretty significantly through that process. Yeah, and of course, you know, we all know about the DC, DCRA, the, the, the velo that velocity program, which does have a very expedited, I can say that now, an expedited time frame, but there's a, a large dollar sign that's uh, assigned to that as well. And it's not as simple as, okay, well, we're going to go next week. Those sort of, anything under the two-week mark, you do have to schedule that time. So, you know, even in places like D.C., you have to be able to call in, get an appointment, and those appointments could be booked months in advance. So, to answer your question, I would say you know, two to three week to almost 12 weeks, depending on where you are. So, you could be looking at two, three buildings, but they have to be in, in a space in, you know, like you said, four, six, nine months, and they really don't have the ability to allow for that long permit time frame, so that'll change where you potentially look. Yeah. So and that's a big spread. There's a big difference through in a construction process between three weeks and 12 weeks. That's make or break at times, especially is. in this area. Yes, and, and unfortunately, you know, that's, you could fall in love with a building and you're looking at all of the, all of all of the components of the building, you love the light, you love the layout, you love all of these bits and pieces, but when you take a step back and you kind of figure out what are the other components that are gonna really be important to be aware of, because like I said of how quickly we're moving past and back and forth and, um, and how little time everyone has to kind of think about those things, that's why I usually try to raise my hand and say, hey guys, just FYI, I think that's a, you know, I think it's a union building. Just FYI, you know, yeah. across the street now you're in 
you know, budget timeline. That, you're in Arlington. Flags you're in Fairfax. They're just trying to kind of help them out and um, you know, be that little bug in the ear. Yeah. yeah. So one thing I want to add to that piece of the conversation, and I want to give a shout out to SpinSys right now, uh, 3120 Fairview Park. We are at their headquarters. Uh, they moved in here a couple years ago. We were lucky enough to, to work with them throughout the pro process. And they have one of the absolute nicest, coolest, hip hippest uh, HQs that I've ever seen. Um, concrete floors, exposed ceilings, the furniture is amazing. Everybody has a stand-up, sit-down desk. It's, it's next level. And uh, their employees really, really appreciate it. So to come full circle to my, the thing that I want to add, um, I want to talk about furniture because furniture can be such a large spread with uh, cost and it can be such a large spread with timeline. Yeah. Um, sometimes there's 50 cubes sitting in a warehouse yeah. and, or workstations and you can get them delivered on Monday and install it and you're all good. Sometimes they need to build everything and it takes months. So how do you um, budget as far as the timeline goes yeah. when you're having the furniture conversation with clients? The first thing I ask them is is is, is twofold. The first thing I ask is twofold. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, I think a really important conversation to have with a client when it comes to furniture is: Are there any? Because let me back up a step. In an ideal world, you want a client to walk into a space day one and be able to completely use it. That's the ideal. Yeah. We all know that because of one reason or another, or lead times or whatnot, that doesn't always happen. Yeah. So the, the, the one question, the first question I ask a client is, what is your expectation within, with, with furniture? Is your expectation to walk in day one and have all the furniture there? Or is your, ex so, or is your expectation, you want it to build everything and then have furniture delivered? Or, so starting that conversation, I think, kind of guides the next steps. Sure. Because if they're, and, and it's been both ways, I've had clients where they say, we just want the space built, then we'll, then we'll walk into, into it, take a look, and then pick furniture from there. Some clients want to be able to use their space completely day one. If they want to be able to use their space day one with the furniture in, in the space, then the second conversation I have with them is saying, okay, if that's the case, we need to figure out everything that is going to impact your ability to get your inspections first. And that is everything that a jurisdiction will want to see in a space. And that's things that are, you know, like hardwired into the floor, you know, like work, um, workstations, anything that kind of Im Im impedes the, the means of egress and getting out of space. Things that are considered ancillary or ch chairs or conference tables or sofas that aren't going to stop you from doing what you need to do and, as we say, you know, get your butts in seats, yeah. Yeah. Um, is not as important. And if they decide that they have to have that purple couch or they have to have that leather chair, then we have to be a little cognizant to say, okay, well, that's something that will come a little bit later. But if you're okay with that, then great. We have the information and we have the order placed in order to get you in day one in order to have butts in seats. Sure. Well, that's a, that's a great answer. And um, all right, so we, we want to end this podcast. 
uh, with a thank you to you, Natasha. This was great. I think we need to do this a couple more times because this conversation could go on, go and, on, on and, and on and on. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of other things that I want to touch on. So this is just episode one with Natasha. I think we should end here uh, with a little uh, positivity from Paige. She was just in Park City for four days. So Paige, um, motivate us. Tell tell us what you learned while you were in Park City on vacation, while we were all here working. What did I learn in Park City? Yeah, basically how to not die. <laughs> did my first black diamond. I am skier. And nice. uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Went snowmobiling, that was also fun. So if you guys ever go out to Park City, great places to ski. Park City is a pretty touristy town. So if, if you know the locals, you know where to go. So- um, Do you know the locals? Yes. My dad's friends moved out there. Solitude, great mountain if you've ever heard of it. So, that that's that's my uh, that was my trip, that, and it was great. I don't have much advice except just try not to totally yard sale and wipe out because I definitely wiped out a few times, but that's okay. <laughs> no idea what you mean by yard sale. I know. You Did don't know what that means. Did I just age myself? I have no clue what yard sailing I would love is. to hear in the comments if anybody knows what yard sailing means. Anybody that boards or skis. I don't know what. what it, just I put in the that, comments what you think yard sale means. That's the thing is I I ski. You and ski like, and you I'm don't like, know what yard sale, sale is. Yeah, I go to those on the weekend down the street. <laughs> like, I have no clue what yard sale is, but I promise you I'm going to be using that term once I figure out what it is. I, take, take, take a guess. What do you guys think it Wipe is? Wipe out. You. What do you think? Sell everything. I don't know. <laughs> you sell everything. <laughs> yeah, while you're skiing. While you're skiing, here, here's you're my like, pole. Here's like, my goggles. Fifty dollars. <laughs> no yard sailing. For those of you who don't know, like. Paul and Natasha, yard sailing is when you wipe out and you like oh, literally you you lose everything. Uh, gotcha. Like your skis are off, your poles are off. My That'd dad actually yard sailed. I it. was close. Shout out Chucky boy. <laughs> you sell <laughs> it. Yeah. You give it away. <laughs> Same thing. And no, I said, and I said wipe out. So you do whatever. wipe out, but like you lose everything. I don't know why you're clowning us. We were pretty close. You were close, <laughs> but like. Well, we're about to yard sail on this podcast. So. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for keeping it RE. That was very fun. And Natasha, let's start planning your uh, your next episode because I think this is going to be yeah. a big hit. We were where I talk less, and then we just have have Paige. I'll come it. with more so prepared we don't questions sale next time. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, thanks, guys. Make sure you're keeping it RE. Check us out on SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes. This is our fourth podcast it is this is our fourth podcast wow let us know how you think that we're doing and we look forward to getting back and airing out to you guys soon if i need to shut up it's okay <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys <laughs>